What's up, guys? Hope everybody's having a great Wednesday, a great hump day. I am Cole Haight. This is the All In Man Cave Podcast, Wednesday edition. Like I mentioned before, we're doing the injury updates, uh, some fantasy updates, and we're going to do a new segment that we're going to do every Wednesday moving forward called Uppers and Lowers. So we'll get once we get to that, I'll give you some more info on that. But uh, for all the new listeners out there, thank you for joining me. Uh, for all the repeat listeners, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Wherever you are listening to podcasts, whether it be Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, thank you so much. Please share, spread the word uh, for the All In Man Cave podcast. I would really appreciate it. So let's hop right into our injuries from week one. So first, we're going to go Jason Verrett, the corner for the San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately, uh, torn ACL. I was actually watching that game live at the bar. Saw him walking off the field in tears. I knew it didn't look good. They said there was an opportunity for it to just be a knee sprain. But unfortunately, he will be out for the season. We did hear from Kyle Shanahan. Richard Sherman may be a player that they they are targeting, and they've already picked up Josh Norman. I believe they picked him up the week right before week one started, so he's still trying to get to the playbook, so he's going to get in there. Manuel Mosley has been dinged up too, so would be a hell of a scene to see the San Francisco 49ers starting Richard Sherman and Josh Norman as their two starting corners. Something to keep a look at, especially with a highly competitive NFC West. So we'll keep an eye on that, uh, hoping the best for Jason Verrett. Hate to see players hurt week one. Uh, anybody who's been watching football for a decent amount of time knows week one injuries are the worst, especially ones that keep a player out for the season. Uh, but he seems like he's in high hopes to come back and be the, be the veteran presence in that in that locker room. Moving on, San Francisco with the injury bug. Also, Raheem Mostert, he has, a, he has chipped knee cartilage. So it's, they're saying eight weeks. Not a huge problem to because of the way Elijah Mitchell played. We'll talk more about Elijah Mitchell later when we talk about our fantasy segment. But Raheem Mostert's always been a solid, solid player for that offense. They did start to hit a bit of a skid in the second half, allowing the Lions to get back in the game. Offense couldn't really move the ball. They had some costly turnovers. Listen, Jimmy G's going to have his ups and downs. Looking like Trey Lance is going to be a good thing. I don't think the loss of Raheem Mostert's going to be a huge deal for that offense. It is for all the people that gr- grabbed him in fantasy, especially if you grabbed him in an earlier round depending on if you had high hopes for him having some huge production this year. Uh, He's going to be out about eight weeks. They said he could come back in six. It could linger to ten, but they're looking at eight weeks via Adam Schefter. So uh, hoping the best for Raheem Mostert as well. But San Francisco's got to get out of this injury bug early. They had the injury bug last year. They can't have that happen again if they're going to have any hopes of winning that division or even possibly a wild card spot in the NFC. Uh, anybody who watches football probably saw this as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was on the ground. It was the first injury, I think, of week one of significance. That game was on at the bar as well as watching it. Um, Taylor Heineke's not a bad sub for him, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, hib sub, subluxation, hard for me to even say that word, basically fancy for a hip dislocation. He's going to be out six to eight weeks at least. He's on IR right now, but I don't see him coming back before that four-week window. They said it's going to be closer to six to eight weeks. So 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, they they have an opportunity to do multiple things with this. Washington could just start Taylor Heineke, which I would recommend. They don't need to go out and get some quarterback that either hasn't been in shape or it doesn't fit their fit their system as well as Taylor Heineke did. They he played well against Tampa Bay in that playoff game. If you guys don't remember from last season, but I that's what I would recommend. I, I'm always a fan of keeping the keeping the picks. Don't waste a pick on a player that is not going to play the whole rest of your season or you don't envision a future with. So that would be my option. They could go out and look at Cam Newton. I don't think they're going to do that only because Ron Rivera is really high on his team having the the vaccine and going to get the vaccine. Cam Newton has already voiced the fact that he will not. So I don't see that working out. They could call Chicago about Andy Dalton. Now, I would advise the Chicago Bears if I was a Bears fan and not a Vikings fan on giving him up and just rolling the dice with Justin Fields. He looks good. Uh, and he looked promising in the offseason workouts as well as the preseason. So that's what I would advise. Now, will Andy Dalton be a better player in that system than Taylor Heineke? I do not know the answer to that question. If, like, I, I've already given my opinion, I think they should go with Heineke. I've seen a lot of Taylor Heineke before he, everyone else did, because he was a practice squad quarterback for the Vikings for a while. So I did see a lot of stuff in camp with him. I saw a lot of stuff in terms of how he reacts in different offensive schemes because we went through multiple offensive coordinators. Taylor Heineke's not a bad player. Uh, Now the knocks on him, his size and his arm, it's basically the knocks on Kirk Cousins. So listen, Taylor Heineke's going to be good enough. I think their defense got a little bit exploited by Justin Herbert, who had an amazing game against them this past week. But... I, I I would advise if I was in the front office of the Washington football team, not only would I recommend them to keep the name football team because I think it's cool, but I would also advise them to stick with Heineke and not go out and get one of these quarterbacks uh, that you don't know will fit your system and that you also don't know are going to stick in the system and you're going to invest in moving forward. Next on the list, Jerry Judy, very promising wide receiver out of Alabama, plays for the Denver Broncos. Great news that it's only a high ankle sprain, although everybody hates high ankle sprains because if it's a low ankle sprain, you could be back the next week. High ankle sprain, he's going to be out four to six weeks. I'm glad it's not a dislocation or a DAC injury for him personally. And he's a very, very concrete player in that scheme and really will help out Teddy Bridgewater moving forward if he's going to continue to be the starting quarterback of the Broncos. The Broncos look good. We'll talk more about the Broncos later. Uh, but Jerry Judy, high ankle sprain, is going to be out four to six weeks. It's going to hurt that offense a tad, but I think they have enough offensive weapons with the running backs, the tight ends, and what's left of the receiving core is going to be pretty good moving forward, even through the four to six weeks that uh, Jerry Judy will be out with the high ankle sprain. Next on the list, Marshawn Lattimore. Not a lot of info on this. I'm not sure. So Marshawn Lattimore, New Orleans cornerback, probably a top top five corner in the league right now, especially in terms of cover corner. He had thumb surgery on uh, to repair a chipped bone in his thumb, similar to what Carson Wentz went through with the chipped bone issue, but in his foot. It says he's week to week and doubtful for this week. Now, I looked up, I did, did my research, did my due diligence. The thumb surgery, he's a corner, so not necessarily will it, 
harm him in terms of him playing, but him actually catching balls and not having to just swat them might be an issue, especially for a Sean Payton defense. So if he's good to go, I think he's going to go. Now, I did hear Demario Davis give an update on some of the things that went down coming up to this week for with Marshawn. He had the issue. Demario Davis, the middle linebacker, is basically the, the front man for that, that defense, that strong New Orleans Saints defense. I think he was on Pat McAfee or he was on uh, the Pick 6 podcast. Can't remember exactly, but I heard a, an audible from him saying that he he approached him in the middle of the week and said he really needed him to play this game. And Marshawn said, all right, I got you, dude. I'm coming back in. So he's a strong man, uh, and he's definitely a uh, another pillar of that defense that they really need. So whenever he is able to play, he will. Now, if I I'm not a doctor, but if I were to give my – Two cents on when I think he'll be back. I think he'll miss this week. Uh, he's going to practice heavy, probably put a decent amount of rehab, maybe some occupational rehab into that thumb so he feels more, more capable to play the position at the standard that he knows he can play it. So I think he's not going to come back this week, but he'll come back the following week if I were to make it, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks. All right, moving on. Mekhi Becton, the big, big left tackle, uh, the New York Jets. This is a big blow to the Jets. They had so many injuries, most of them on the defensive side uh, in the offseason. Then coming up to this game, they had the Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole, two huge receivers that really helped that wide receiver room coming that were out for this game. Now they're going to be without Makai Becton, dislocated knee and a sprained MCL. Four to six weeks, I've seen my girlfriend recover from knee injuries she had issues in there with uh, the ACL and the meniscus. The MCL and the PCL are a little bit easier to rehab, but the dislocated knee, very, very hard to come back from. Patrick Mahomes had the dislocated knee cap. Uh, don't know if it's heavier or lighter than what he's recovered from already, but if you watched any part of that New York Jets game, whether you be a Jets fan just in the area, that it's, it was on locally, or if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, Zach Wilson was already moving and running for his life. So the fact that Mekhi Becton's going to be out a decent chunk of time, at least a month, and that's at the best, and that he's a big man with a lot of weight going on that knee, I, I don't see him coming back in four weeks. I think he's pushing six, possibly eight. So Zach Wilson is going to be running for his life even more, and they have they have taken on the the 2020 mantra of the San Francisco 49ers where it seems like they're going to have the injury bug and they're going to be the unlucky ones of the season. That's a shame for the New York Jets. They have some quality players on that team. Most of them have already been hurt. Uh, but we'll talk some more Jets in not only the end of this segment, but also in other segments. Um I feel for the Jets and I feel for Jet fans. I know a lot of Jet fans out there and they've been they've been bad for a while. I, it's not like I can say anything about it because my team has also been bad for a while. Uh not not as bad as the Jets, but bad as well, not to say the least, but it, it's a it's a sad thing to see one team go through so many of these injuries and then expose some of these players that aren't ready and throw them in this fire and see if they work or not. That might be one of the positives that come out of this for the New York Jets. It was a it was a very it was a very long 
day for for offensive linemen getting hurt in the league, especially in week one. I've seen I saw a lot of mainly tackles getting hurt. Trent Brown from the New England Patriots. They just acquired him from the Las Vegas Raiders in the offseason. Calf strain. He's day to day. The soft tissue injuries that happen are a main big huge problem for for especially offensive players and and mainly defensive corners and defensive backs that need to cut and cover a lot of ground in terms and and they need speed to do that. But all like going back to the Makai Becton uh, thing that I just mentioned, there's a lot of weight and these players are big and strong and they put a lot of stress on these on these lower body parts, especially from the hips down. Trent Brown needs, and it's a shame because it's left tackles that were acquired to play for rookie quarterbacks coming in and to defend their blind side. It's a shame. It's a shame, and and it hurts the development of the quarterbacks. I hope the best for Zach Wilson and Mac Jones without them being without their their starting left tackles, but it's going to definitely put a hurting on both of their developments as rookie quarterbacks, for sure. And it's going to put stress on their play. Going back to the Jets. I said I was going to come back. Here we go. LaMarcus Joyner can play safety, plays corner, torn elbow tendon. He's going to be out for the season. The Jets can't buy a break, man. Everybody they acquired to help their defense not be piss poor is hurt. LaMarcus Joyner is a great player. He's very physical in the run game as well. It, it hurts. And I have a lot of friends from, from high school that are Jets fans, and it seems like they try and rebuild and it never works. Zach Wilson looks like a good player. I like him more than a lot in terms of his bust potential. I think he's going to be better than a Johnny Manziel, even though it seems like he plays that way. I think he's going to be a leader in the locker room. I think he's going to mature the way he should have, even though he couldn't at somewhere where he was at where in BY, at BYU, where I feel like he didn't, if he was at a bigger school, I feel like the lens would have gotten him earlier and he would have matured faster. It's a shame. The Jets are in a huge heap of, of trouble. And the way that the Dolphins and the Patriots came out and looked and the Bills, the Bills seem to be dropping but they're still at a decent point in terms of a roster. I if I it, I feel for the Jets fans. That's basically all I can say about it. I feel for Jets fans, and I'm hoping the best for you for the rest of the season. Moving on, Jeff Okuda, bust draft pick from the Detroit Lions. Everybody thought he was going to be amazing. Uh, didn't turn out that way, especially on a piss-poor team like the Detroit Lions have been for the past few years. He had promising promising reviews coming out of camp and through the preseason. Torn Achilles, going to be out for the season. Jeff Okuda, listen, I saw him coming out of the draft. It looked like he was going to be bigger than he became to start. He had a rough beginning of in, coming into the NFL. I don't know why he was so scrutinized. A lot of players have a rough beginning of their NFL careers. It's not like it's seventy five percent of players come out of come out of this this college mantra of being the best player on their team and helping them get to a national championship and all of a sudden they're all Hall of Famers. That's not what happens. So the fact that he was bad for a little bit and he couldn't really figure it out. Dan Campbell, 
was coming out saying some really good things about him coming in, and it really hurts that defense, especially since they're already bad as it is. But hoping the best for Jeff Okuda. He made multiple posts saying that, that he's going to be good. He's going to take the rehab seriously. And he's going to continue his growth. I believe in it. I believe in players, and I'm definitely going to give a player like him the benefit of the doubt, and I think he's going to come back strong. Last on my list of notable injuries, Jason Peters for the Chicago Bears. There's two teams that have the worst offensive line I've ever seen in my career of watching NFL football, and that's the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears. Not only did Jason Peters have a quad injury and he's questionable moving forward, but his replacement came in and also injured himself. Chicago Bears, or uh, sorry, Offensive line is a disaster. Not only do I look at that, Colin Cowherd for the last month has been saying, I've been looking at the New York Giants offensive line. It looks terrible. It's going to be terrible. I felt that way about the Chicago Bears offensive line ever since they got rid of two awesome players, two starters. That Ever since they got rid of Charles Leno, I knew it was going to be bad. And with Andy Dalton back there, it's going to be a disaster for that offense moving forward. They're not going to be able to do anything unless they can get decent play out of Jason Peters and some sort of upgrade on the offensive line so that they can run the ball effectively, not in garbage time, and not on third and 37 when no one expects it. And if they're going to be able to have Andy Dalton or even Justin Fields if they bring him in, get that ball out of their hand and give him more than one second to do it. All right, guys, moving on to the fantasy football segment. Likes, dislikes, and pumping the brakes. That's going to be the name of the fantasy segment. The likes, obviously, who I like more than what was projected. The dislikes, who everybody liked and I think considers or is worth you dropping. And then pumping the brakes, good players that had bad week ones that we shouldn't overreact to. So let's start it up with the likes. Corey Davis from the Jets. Clearly the number one wide receiver on that team. I uh, watched a decent amount of that game on Sunday. He likes, he likes, Zach Wilson absolutely likes Corey Davis. Now, it might be a little bit premature me saying that considering Jamison Crowder didn't play and Keelan Cole didn't play and Elijah Moore had multiple terrible route runs, r- routes run, a run in that game, I guess you would say. And he just had a bad game in general and was not targeted that often. So keep an eye on Corey Davis. I like him moving forward to at least be an average fantasy wide receiver, especially if you can pick him up right now on the waiver wire. I would definitely stash him depending on who's currently on your team and who you're starting at wide receiver or in the flex. But keep an eye on Corey Davis for sure. Kenneth Gainwell from the Philadelphia Eagles. I picked him up and drafted him in my only fantasy team this season. Usually I have four or five, and it became more stressful than fun. So I had one. I only have one team this year. I have Kenneth Gainwell. He's going to end up being their gadget guy, who I think will end up being similar to a Robert Woods in terms of production and fantasy. Obviously not what Robert, Robert Woods brings to the table in terms of Uh, targets and receptions however I think Kenneth Gainwell has the opportunity to be the speedster gadget guy who would be similar to uh, Darren Sproles that they similarly had in recent years them being the Philadelphia Eagles all right next Jawan Johnson the tight end for the New Orleans Saints if Jameis Winston continues to play at that level he is going to continue to 
put up more productive numbers. And every time that they clearly got into the the red zone, any time against the, the Green Bay Packers, granted, they will play better defenses in the near future. However, he targeted him a decent amount of times in the red zone, and he caught two touchdown passes from that on the two targets. Listen, big dude played basketball in college. I love Jawan Johnson. There's no way that people don't have waiver wire pickups or trying to pick him up on the waiver wire in most leagues, probably already. So offer something decent in a trade, and you might be able to get Jawan Johnson if you're in a league that plays tight ends in the flex and you already have maybe a George Kittle or Darren Waller. It's worth watching and seeing what his production is in the upcoming weeks. But I already have a waiver wire submitted for Jawan Johnson. So I probably shouldn't have said that because if anybody in my fantasy football league listens to this podcast, they might be able to get him before I can get him. But at least it's worth giving up the multiple ways of information uh, out to you guys. And you know what? I don't care. Screw it. If you guys know and you can pick him up, at least you and it prospers. At least I was the one who uh, was the first person to tell you about it. All right, moving on. And for the likes, Elijah Mitchell. I told you I'd mentioned him up in the injuries, talking about Raheem Mostert. Elijah Mitchell looks good. They got him in the sixth round. I, he had less than 15 carries and over 100 yards. Listen, Hasty's a good running back. Mostert is going to be hurt for at least if I had to make a guess, close to two months. And they're going to use multiple running backs in that in that offense moving forward, especially under a Kyle Shanahan scheme. So if Elijah Mitchell just comes out and outplays Hasty, he's going to get more touches. Elijah Mitchell's definitely worth picking up and keeping an eye on moving forward for the rest of the season because Mostert's going to get hurt, come back, and probably get hurt again. It's just the way the the way it works. I don't wish that injuries upon people, but I'm just looking at the former history of Raheem Mostert. He's just injury prone. That's just the way it is. Moving on, Devontae Smith to go along with Kenneth Gainwell on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Devontae Smith is only going to be as good as Jalen Hurts plays. Now, Jalen Hurts plays played well, and I think he's going to have a touchdown pass in most games this season. I like the way he looked week one. You guys know I'm not an, not an Eagles fan. I like the way he looked. Now, let's see what he looks like when he plays an actual defense. So, listen, I, I, I often make very ballsy statements in my takes, but the Atlanta defense looked high school. There are multiple high school defenses that I saw when they play on Friday nights in, in my local area that have the potential to be as good as the Atlanta defense looked against the Eagles. There were tight ends open all day in the middle of the field. There were complete breakdowns of the defense. Completely, complete breakdowns. People open by 8, 10 yards. That can't happen in the NFL, and it, they're not going to win games if it continues especially the way their offense only scored six points against a Philadelphia defense that the back end is weak and the front end is not a top 10 front seven. It just isn't. So let's see how Jalen Hurts plays, but definitely worth uh, taking a look at Devontae Smith. Definitely worth taking a look at him. And my last like, Naheem Hines. 
I picked up Naheem Hines the last three years in fantasy, and he had a few good weeks for me. I didn't get a chance to nab him this year. However, he looks like he's getting a lot of looks from Carson Wentz, which I didn't expect, which is why I didn't draft him. I thought Jonathan Taylor was going to get a decent amount of looks, especially in the past game. He did it at Wisconsin, and he was able to do it last year, even though Marlon Mack was hurt. Now, I thought that would change uh, coming into this 2021 season, although it doesn't look like it's gonna. So if you have an opportunity to get Naheem Hines, especially when you're starting two running backs or starting three running backs in your fantasy league or on buys, it's definitely worth plugging and playing them. It's definitely worth it because he's going to get receptions and he has a very good chance of scoring you a TD. All right, let's move on to the dislikes. Mike Evans. Oh no. A lot of players, a lot of people Everybody was was high on Mike Evans. Now, in a fantasy statistic area, any wide receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is not a good pickup, and only because there's so many options. Gronk, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard, A.B., Chris Godwin, the running backs can all catch out of the backfield. So he has a lot of – Tom Brady has a lot of targets. So – I never was a fan going into the season of any Tampa Bay tight end or wide receiver or running back. I tried to stay away. So I'm interested in in Antonio Brown, and you should as well. But it looks like moving forward as a general statement and the highest probability, Tom Brady's going to continue to spread the ball around. And I don't think Mike Evans is going to continue his 1,000-yard season. That's my hot take of the segment. I don't think he's going to have 1,000 yards receiving because I don't think there's that much going around. Gronk's going to catch a lot. And every other player on that offense, Tom Brady is the king of spreading the ball around, and he's going to continue to do that, which is why Mike Evans should be considered a drop. And if you can get anybody in your league to get him, try and bait them with a trade. I I would do the same thing if I owned him. Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke looks terrible, man. And that's not just because I'm biased and hate the Cowboys. Zeke looks bad. He's got lanes to run in. And when you're outperformed by Tony Pollard on a regular basis, and this has been a year and two weeks of football that I've seen this, Tony Pollard has a lot more juice than Zeke looks like he has. And if you're going to pay this man as much money as he's getting paid, and he's not going to perform, the Dallas Cowboys have a major decision to make about this player. He needs to figure it out, or they need to unload him on a team that will take him. And let me tell you what, I don't think any teams will pay him what he's paying with the production he's giving. Ezekiel Elliott moving forward until he can can he can give me a week where he even gets 100 yards rushing is go, would be sitting on my bench, or I would be trading him, trying to unload him right now. Next player, Allen Robinson. Listen, I already have mentioned multiple times on the podcast. The Chicago Bears offense looks like a joke, especially under Andy Dalton. Until Justin Fields starts on a regular basis, I would not start Allen Robinson in fantasy. He had six catches for a little over 40 yards, I believe. I don't see him having the production he's used to giving everyone in fantasy until Justin Fields is a regular starter at QB. Andy Dalton doesn't push the ball down the field. 
I think he's scared to do it. And I don't think he, quite frankly, has the time to do it, honestly. So, I, don't start Allen Robinson. I wouldn't. Saquon Barkley came back too soon from his injury, like I thought was going to happen. They thought it wasn't. he wasn't going to be ready. They thought that he possibly needed a few more weeks to get prepared for time back in the NFL, NFL game speed, not in practice. He didn't look good, and it doesn't help that his offensive line is also terrible. So I love Saquon. I will always love Saquon Barkley. He went to Penn State. I'm from Pennsylvania. He went to Whitehall. It's right up the road from my house a few miles. He went to the Giants, big media center. He's a great guy. I love him. But as flighty as his statistics are in fantasy, I could never draft him on my team and expect any sort of consistency. And that's the best way to win fantasy football leagues and the best way to construct teams in fantasy football leagues is consistency. You have your flighty players to come in and hope they work on your consistent guys' bye weeks, and then that's the way you make the best fantasy football team. I've never been able to do it consistently on a year-to-year basis. I've had a lot of fantasy football teams that I've drafted that ended up great. This year's off to a slow start. And I'll let you know exactly why in a little bit. However, I can't, I cannot trust Saquon Barkley on a week-to-week basis to run the football. I can't do it. Ten carries for 26 yards is not going to get it done. They're going to be bad this year, which means they're not going to run as often. They're going to be playing from behind. And Daniel Jones is going to be trying to prove that he's worth a second contract, which means he's going to start making multiple more down-the-field throws, better-looking throws so that people will give him a shot or another team will give him a shot. If it's not the New York Giants, I I would stay away from Saquon. And it's sad to say, and it hurts my heart to say, but I would stay away from him, especially in fantasy. Last player I have on my list, Mike Gusecki, put up the goose egg this week in fantasy. No targets, no catches, no yards, no TDs, the goose egg. Now, I would tend to believe this is because Tua was playing a game that was kind of determined by the defense of the New England Patriots. However, Will Fuller is back this coming week. And Devontae Parker looks like he's getting more healthy. So, moving forward, I think Gusecki is going to get a, some. He's going to get less targets, and that's also going to be spread around their running backs and their wide receivers. So, honestly, I would stay away from Gusecki and try and see if you can get a more. If you're stuck with him as your starting tight end in fantasy, I would see if you could get a a, a go route tight end, which is like what I like to call players that are good for one week that you can plug and play and then continue to find those players throughout the year. See if you can do that. I would not recommend starting Mike Gusecki on a regular basis in fantasy. All right, and my likes and dislikes are done. Let's move on to the pump the brakes players, staring with Dalvin Cook. Listen, 20 carries for 61 yards and a TD. The fumble lost you two points, even though it wasn't a fumble. Uh, 
listen, Dalvin Cook will be fine. He will give you decent amounts of production. You got almost 20 points out of him, even with the crappy stat line, considering what he's used to giving you. So I would consider not pumping the brakes, thinking that the Minnesota Vikings are in some sort of downward spiral and running the football. They always will run the football, and they will figure out how to get him the ball and get him yardage. So don't worry about any issues with Dalvin Cook. Moving along from Dalvin Cook, similarly, Derrick Henry had a bad game, caught one pass, had 17 carries for 58 yards. Listen, Derrick Henry will be fine. Do not worry about Derrick Henry giving you bad production moving forward for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. Do not worry about trying to pull off some crazy trade in your fantasy leagues and unloading Derrick Henry in it to get some other running back that has a very good chance of underperforming compared to Derrick Henry. Next on the list, Devontae Adams. Five catches, 56 yards. Best receiver in the league. I've seen a lot of people posting on blogs via social media about Devontae Adams having a down year this year and not catching as many TDs. It's one game. Now, I do see, and we will talk about the Green Bay Packers in the last segment of this podcast, in the uppers and the lowers. However, I would not jump to conclusions on Devontae Adams. So, honestly, just pump it. Hold on to him. Let's see what happens. Don't give a huge overreaction to him and get rid of him, and then he explodes for the end of the season. He hasn't even played the Vikings yet. When he plays the Vikings, he's going to have three touchdowns a game like he always does against our piss-poor defense. So, hold it. Trust me on this one. Don't stop starting Devontae Adams. His teammate is the next player on my list, Aaron Jones. Five carries, nine yards. Why did he have five carries and nine yards? I don't know, because they were down by two touchdowns in the first quarter. That might be why. Aaron Rodgers started throwing the ball, and at clips that he normally doesn't, that are normally completed passes, Most of them were crazy-looking throws. He threw a few picks. He threw a red zone interception for the first time since the beginning of 2019. Listen, Aaron Jones will be fine. He will get more receptions as the season moves on and as they start to fix the problems with their team after a piss-poor week one. He will be fine. Aaron Rodgers will be Better than he was in week one, of course. He's not going to play like this all year. Don't worry about any types of problems that you have with Aaron Jones. He will have a huge bounce back week this week against the Detroit Lions. Next on my list, Julio Jones. The the Julio Jones is getting called out by his head coach. He had three catches for 26 yards. They had a bad week. Don't overreact. I don't want to get too far into it because it's going to get me upset with some of this stuff that people are talking about. Julio Jones will be fine. Ryan Tannehill had a very bad game, which proved because they had one garbage time touchdown pass, and that was to A.J. Brown. Could have easily have went to Julio Jones, who was also open on the play. Listen, 
The only way Julio Jones has a worse game than he just had is if they honestly start doubting him as a team player, as the head coach is right now, and I don't see that happening. I quite frankly don't see Julio Jones having that bad of a year considering he was hurt last year, had an off year, and still had 900 yards receiving throughout the whole season. He missed multiple games between four, he missed four, between four and six games depending on what you consider missing when he's pulled from a game three-quarters of the way through or if he they give Russell Gage last year on the Falcons more targets. He missed about four games total all last season and still had 900 yards receiving. That's enough of a point to not overreact to Julio Jones. Last player on my pump the brakes list for the non-overreaction is Najee Harris. Najee Harris had a rough day in Buffalo. They did get the win. It was mostly a defensive win. They kicked a lot of field goals. He had one good run. The rest of them were very bad in terms of production. So he had 16 carries, about 45 yards, and a few receptions. I think that offense is capable of a lot more than that, even in Big Ben's old age. So don't worry moving forward. I currently have Najee Harris. On my team, he's one of my starting three running backs that include David Montgomery, Najee, and James Robinson. So I'm going to stick with my three, even though they did not have the best of week ones. So I don't think you guys should overreact to that either. All right, moving on to our final segment, which will continue to happen every Wednesday. The uppers and downers segment. So I'm going to take four teams based on what I projected at the beginning of the season on uppers that are going to continue to be better than my predictions. And I'm going to take four teams on the downer side that are considered worse than my predictions. And we're going to see and I'm going to explain why I feel the way I do about these teams. So let's start with the downers this time. Number one, the New York Giants. We talked about it at exhaustion already. Their offensive line is terrible. I don't believe in Daniel Jones, regardless of what anyone has in terms of hype for him. I just think that his skill set in college was basically overshot and the Giants took a shot on him, and he's not going to be their answer. They went out and got Kenny Galladay. They have all these weapons. They have Saquon. They tried to fix the offensive line that didn't work, and Daniel Jones isn't good enough. I had them finishing second in the division. I just don't think they're going to be able to get it done. Now, because it's the first uppers and downers segment, and it is right after week one, I will be reevaluating these picks like everyone else always does, and it could just be a week one flop. However, I got to go with what I've seen based on the segment and based on my eyeballs and my football brain. So I am going to keep the New York Giants on the downers list until proven otherwise. 
Number two, after a very disappointing loss on Monday night football, the Baltimore Ravens. So Lamar Jackson is getting a lot of heat right now. I know what it feels like because after Sunday's slate of games was done, this was the same kind of heat that Kirk Cousins was getting. However, I think Lamar's capabilities at quarterback – And I think the takes that a lot of people besides Colin Coward are having are right. I don't think Lamar is going to be able to be the quarterback that this league needs and the quarterback that that team needs. Colin Coward came out today. No, Colin Coward came out yesterday on his podcast on The Herd and talked about how he believes in Lamar. He'll never give up. Turnovers are a huge problem to him and he's going to focus on not doing them he's a better passer than people think listen and the nfl football player and any player who tries to play in this league if your skill set isn't good enough and if you've had multiple years to fix it and it's still not happening you might just not have that skill set michael vick was a great quarterback comparable to Lamar Jackson. If you don't agree with me, I'm sorry. Then you should probably mute the podcast for the next couple minutes because I'm going to continue it, this statement. Michael Vick is a comparable quarterback to Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick has an arm. Lamar Jackson has a pretty decent arm. What did Michael Vick always struggle with in the NFL? He focused so much so much of his game around the ability to run the football that he lost the drive to fix his accuracy down the field and to fix his accuracy in the middle of the field in the shorter to intermediate throws. Now, Michael Vick was not always the best deep ball thrower and neither is Lamar Jackson, but most of them would hit. But when they wouldn't, they would be off by a million yards. I saw on a recap Lamar Jackson's throw that he tried to hit down the sideline on a deep go route that hit a cheerleader and was nowhere near his targeted wide receiver. That's not something that just gets fixed overnight. And that's not something that has been better that I've seen on a consistent basis since he's come into the league. Now, that's not taking away from Lamar Jackson and me thinking he's not a decent quarterback. I just don't think he's ever going to be able to get his accuracy to a point where everyone thinks it's able to go. That's basically my statement. He's always going to be and he's always going to continue to be a top one, the top athlete or the second best athlete on the field in a NFL football game at all times. I'm never going to take that away from him. I'm never going to take that the fact that he's a very good above average quarterback away from him, and I'm never going to say that I'm ever going to take Kirk Cousins. I'm never going to take Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm never going to take Andy Dalton, of course, all starting quarterbacks in this league over Lamar Jackson. I'm never going to say that. There's other quarterbacks that I would take also. And I also think he's in the top of, he's definitely a top 10 quarterback in this league with everything taken into consideration. But the Baltimore Ravens Ravens are decimated by injuries. 
at the running back position in their defense, and they just gave up 421 yards of passing yards to Derek Carr on a Monday night football game. And their whole division looks way better. The Pittsburgh Steelers look better than expected. The Cincinnati Bengals look better than expected. And the Browns looked pretty damn good against the Chiefs. Except for two weird, weird things that happened where Baker threw an interception after his arm was slapped on the side and the punter fumbled a snap. The Browns would have won that game. The Browns would have won that game. Nick Wright can come out with all of his Kansas City Chiefs drama and continue and continue to say that it wouldn't have ended the same. But guess what? The Browns would have beat the Chiefs week one if those two plays didn't happen. And that's just the truth of the matter. So they're going to continue to be on my downers list until I can see any type of way that the Baltimore Ravens can run the ball effectively like they did last season. Moving on, number three on the downers list, the Green Bay Packers. Now, I just got done telling everyone to not overreact to fantasy football statistics and fantasy football points for Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. That has nothing to do with the rest of their football team. Fantasy football can continue to be a thing the entire season while your team is terrible. It's always able to be a thing. Dalvin Cook was the best fantasy football running back last year. And our team was terrible. So that has nothing to do with anything. However, I think that the Aaron Rodgers drama led through the entire offseason, led through the entire training camp portion, through the entire preseason, and even right before their week one game is way more of a distraction to the front office, way more than enough of a distraction for the offensive coaches way more than enough of a distraction for the offensive players and way more than enough of a distraction for the entire football team to make them not be as good as they could possibly be this season Aaron Rodgers is one of the selfish players I've ever seen granted it's only my opinion and he's still an amazing quarterback I will never think otherwise however even with me being a biased player Sorry, with me being a biased Vikings fan, I will always, I will always think he's a drama queen. I will always think he blows things out of proportion. Even as much of the stuff, even as much of the situation that I agree with and that I think that the organization never gave him enough that he ever needed to be more of a winner in that organization, his actions in the last few months will shape the rest of this team for the rest of this season and not in a positive way which is why he's on my downers list and why his team is on my downers list the last team on the downers list and as much as it hurts my heart the minnesota vikings the offensive line looks terrible doesn't look like the offensive line is blocking the way we normally do in our zone run scheme. The defense doesn't look good. 
in terms of the players we really need to perform at the highest level. Now I'm not going to ultimately put them on the downers list forever, and I don't think that they can't turn it around. However, if Anthony Barr doesn't play and Brashad Breeland can't cover the first or second best player on the field, then we are going to have a huge problem. We're going to have a huge problem in Minnesota, and that is going to be another season without making the playoffs. I had them going 11-6. and six. Now, like I said earlier in the segment, and like I believe thoroughly, you can't always take everything you see in week one into consideration, but what else do we have to go off of? It's the first time we've seen these players play together in a regular season game since they were acquired. They didn't play in the preseason. Some of them were hurt in the offseason. Some of them didn't report to training camp on time. Some of them weren't ready for week one in terms of the speed of a game. However, that's all I can go off of is week one, and they did not play very well. Now, I think everybody else, now everybody else in terms of other football fans, everybody else in terms of NFL beat writers, other people in terms of coaches, NFL regular radio show and personalities, everything. I think a lot of people are overreacting and giving Kirk Cousins a bad rap. I think other people are reacting in way more other ways in terms of what I've seen from this team and what I've watched from the week one game. However, they got to be on the downers list. They don't look as good as what I thought, which is the definition of the downer. Now, moving on to a way more positive note, let's talk about the uppers on the uppers and downers list. Number one, the Los Angeles Chargers. Holy crap. If they can continue to play defense the way they did in week one, if Justin Herbert can continue his way better play than anybody ever expected after he was drafted, a lot of teams are kicking their kicking their legs right now and really pissed off the fact that they didn't draft Justin Herbert. I would love to have Justin Herbert. He looks way more mature than he's ever, than he's should even have at this regular time and place in the NFL right now. He looks way better than ever, than ever expected. And if he can continue to play like that, Justin Eckler, sorry, Austin Eckler can have a better year in terms of injuries that he's had since he's come into the league then I really have a really, really high outlook for the the Chargers and the AFC West with the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos look way better than anyone could have ever expected going into the season. Number two on my list, the New Orleans Saints completely embarrassed the Green Bay Packers. Listen, Jameis, I always said that Jameis Winston would be better and would always be better in that offense. I think if he can continue to play that well, And I think that if their defense can continue to play with little to no injuries, I think the New Orleans Saints, after everyone and anyone was talking about how they could ever overcome Drew Brees leaving, how they could ever overcome all the cuts they had to make because of the salary cap, how they ever could overcome the team ever respecting another player, especially Jameis Winston, with all the offseason problems that he's ever had and how they could ever be an amazing team and go out and blow the living daylights off the Green Bay Packers in a week one bout where they just had a hurricane go right through their city and hit their fans 
and how their fans could travel to Jacksonville and absolutely support them and they can absolutely have this week one game. I think the stars are aligned. I believe in Jameis Winston and I think that they have a really good opportunity to challenge Tampa Bay to win that division outright. Boom, hot take, done. Moving on, number three, the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater will never be the best quarterback in the league. Teddy Bridgewater will never have the best arm in the league. Teddy Bridgewater will never put up every record ever and ever be on every highlight reel. But I gave him a nickname when he was on the Minnesota Vikings, and it wasn't Teddy Two Gloves. It was Steady Teddy. Steady Teddy never puts you in a really, really terrible spot. He never really loses you games, but he always has you in them. And until I'm proved otherwise, and their defense looks amazing with amazing players, they didn't even have Bradley Chubb on the field this week. They didn't even have Bradley Chubb, their second best player on defense. Possibly their best player on defense if you think that Von Miller's too old to be the best player. Their defense is amazing. Their secondary is amazing. Their defensive front seven is amazing. They have a great coach. They have a quarterback. They'll never put him in a bad spot. And not only that, Drew Locke is learning from him to be a more responsible player, to be a better leader, and to not screw around while you're the quarterback of a football team. The last team on my uppers list is the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler looks great. I went over it in my last podcast with the week one review. He looks like an MVP candidate right now. He looks amazing. Not only does he look amazing, their defense looks way better than expected. And I had them finishing and tied for last with the San Francisco 49ers in this division, which is the strongest division I think in the NFL right now, which is the NFC West. Not only do I think now they could win 12 games, I think they are going to. Now, Kyler always looks better in the first half of the season, similar to where you never bet against the Chiefs in September because Patrick Mahomes has never lost in September and Andy Reid is really good in September. However, like the opposite, as the New England Patriots have always been the best in November and December, I always think there's a possibility for this team with all the big names to get tired. I also think there's a possibility for Kyler as he runs around and runs around and runs around behind the line of scrimmage before he throws the ball to get injured and get tired and finally play as small as he is. I think right now, based on my previous decision to put them tied for last in the division I think they need to be on the top or at least on the list of the uppers and I think that people need to actually start taking this team seriously because there's a very good chance with the Minnesota Vikings coming into town coming into Arizona this week for the Minnesota Vikings to get absolutely blown apart and them to put up huge amount of numbers on our defense who's you who's older bigger and not as fast and our offense to get sacked, for Kirk Cousins to get sacked by a combination of J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones multiple times. I think there's a huge potential problem coming. And if the Vikings can't get one win in the next three weeks, 
They're definitely, they potentially have only a 3% chance to win this game. Of course, I hope they win. I'm a huge Vikings fan. Of course, I hope they win. But the stack is deck, the deck is stacked against them. And I don't think that it's a very good chance. So with another hot gambling take, I would love to take Arizona minus the points, regardless of what they are. I just think that the Arizona Cardinals have a really good chance to make it deep into the playoffs, especially if they have no injuries and especially if Kyler keeps up all the play that is happening, especially in week one. Now that's the end of the that is the end of the episode for the All in Man K podcast. Like I said always, I am going to have another segment that comes out on Friday night. I am going to record it Friday afternoon and it will be probably available Friday night on all the platforms. I'm going to have a gambling segment for all the upcoming week two games. And we're going to talk about how each team looks going into those games. And I really hope that you guys tune in and check it out. Also, please keep an eye out for any special segments I have. I'm going to try and put out a Facebook post every week to remind everybody, but I might miss a few weeks. So if you do... Or if I do come out with a new segment, please continue to check the feed. Please go back and listen to all of my divisional recap segments to double check and see if what I actually said back then is actually true and how I feel now. And if it's not, please call me out. But I think it is. Um, Thank you so much, everyone, for all the new listeners out there. Thank you so much, everyone, for all the continuous listeners out there. Thank you for everyone that's actually gone out and told everybody about my podcast. Thank you so much. I love talking to you guys. Like I've always said, I love talking to you guys, and I always continue to talk to you guys. I hope everybody's making money out there betting on the football games, um, whether it be college, whether it be NFL, whether it be baseball. I hope everybody's making money out there. Uh, there's been some really good lines as of late. There's been some really a lot of upsets out there. And if you took the Raiders Monday night to come out and beat the Ravens straight up, or if you took an alternate spread and it worked out, God bless you. Because you did a great job. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Like I said, I'll be back on Friday to tell you about all of the Week 2 matchups and all of the possible money you can make. And if I make any, I'll let you know. And I hope all my picks work for you. Hoping to have Tyler Martinez back to talk baseball, talk about MLB baseball right before the postseason for another episode. Uh, Hope to possibly get anybody else on the podcast that wants to be on. Hoping to have some really good guests for you moving forward. And... I hope everybody going into this fantasy football week gets a win. And I hope everybody takes the injuries into consideration when betting on games. And I really hope everybody has a good rest of the week. I hope the weekend goes quick for everyone. And like I always say at the end of every podcast, have a great day. Peace.